Now, our theme this year at Cornerstone Baptist Church, as I've already mentioned, is for Christ alone. Last week, we talked about how our lives are to be lived not unto ourselves, but for Christ and for Christ alone. Uh, One area, of course, this applies to is certainly in the area of our service for Him. Ephesians chapter 6, and the the context of this particular passage is dealing with uh, maybe more of an employee-employer relationship, or or even maybe more accurately in those days, uh, a slave and a master relationship. But here's what Paul told uh, the Ephesians there. He said, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Colossians 3.23, Paul continues this thought to those who lived in the town called Colossae. And he said to them, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And so as we serve the Lord, uh, we do need to indeed keep our focus on the fact that we are serving Him and not necessarily uh, men. You know, a story I read this week about uh, a Roman aqueduct at Segova, Spain. It was built in, oh, someone was said just before the, the, the turn of the first century, so, you know, 98 A.D. or even 112 A.D., somewhere in that range it was built, um, I'm not quite that old, so I wasn't really around at those days to really know for sure. But it was built around the turn of the century there. Well, for 1,800 years, this aqueduct carried cool water from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from its flow. Well, finally, a a new generation came along who said, This aqueduct is such a a wonderful marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its centuries-long labor. Well, they did it. And they laid modern iron pipes to carry the water into the city. They gave the ancient bricks and mortar a reverent rest. Well, no one really saw this coming, but... As a result, the aqueduct began to fall apart. You see, the sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stones sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness began to disintegrate. You know, there's a lot of Christians who have placed themselves on a shelf and are now in the same condition as this aqueduct. They're dried up and and falling apart. I'm not talking physically, by the way. We're all falling apart physically. And we're all reminded of that from day to day, aren't we? Um, But when it comes to serving the Lord, many times we look back and say, well, I used to do this and I used to do that, but I've done my part. Well, at that point, we begin to start to dry up. And as a church, uh, as a result of individuals who neglect to serve, many churches have become museum pieces are now irrelevant to the communities they were once called to serve. I went to the chiropractor with my family this past Wednesday morning. And uh, I knew it was going to not feel too great at the moment. Uh, And he got me down on that table and he began to push and press and tweak uh, really fast. He said, this is going to ring your bell. And it did. (laughs) 
Isn't that the language he uses? Uh, one of the things in the conversation, though, he said is the, the most dangerous thing for our bones and joints is lack of movement. When we stop to move, they, become to, they start to fuse. And as I thought about that, when it comes to serving, uh, the same thing can be said. When we stop, to ser- when we stop serving, we start uh, fusing together and we become really stiff. Uh, and even spiritually as well. Now, I'm, I'm aware of some of the history of Cornerstone Baptist Church, and one thing is for certain. God has done great and mighty things in our past, and I'm thankful for that. And to God be the glory for how He's kept this church going for all these decades. But we must be careful not to rest on what He did yesterday. We must not become a museum of past victories. We must continue to serve the Lord and accomplish His will in the here and the now. And this requires God's people to be involved in serving Him in various ministries of Cornerstone Baptist Church. The priority of Christian service. Uh, to this morning, I want to share with you four aspects from Romans chapter 12 that give us really the, the, the priority of, of serving the Lord and, and, and explaining it a lot better. And so let's get into the message this morning. First of all, I want you to see uh, here in Romans chapter 12, the unity in Christian service, the unity in Christian service. Uh, verse 4 uh, kind of brings into this uh, idea of unity here. Verse 4, for we, as, for we have, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. So Paul here begins with a comparison of sorts, and he compares the church to the human body. Uh, So first of all, letter A on your outline, if you'd like to take notes, the illustration here in verse number four, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So he's talking about the human body. Uh, Your body and my body is made up of many different systems that make it function as one body, right? We have the circulatory system, we have the digestive system, we have the endocrine system, we have, I'm going to probably forget some of them, we have the excretory system, the immune system, the lymphatic system, the muscular system, the nervous system, the reproductive system, the renal system, the respiratory system, and the skeletal system. All of them are important. Every one of them is. Um, Each of these systems work independently, and they also work together in order for us to function properly. Paul uses the human body as a wonderful example of diversity coming together and forming unity. This same unity of design and purpose is to exist within the body of Christ, the local church. That's the idea he turns to in verse number five. So we, here in our church, being many, are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. You see, unity in the church involves more than simply getting along, although getting along is important. Um, But it requires each of us serving our specific purpose and working together to accomplish the same goal. It's amazing how the body works, isn't it? Uh, some of you are work in the medical p- field, and, and you get to 
you know, deal with different medical situations and you see how the body works. And, and obviously it, it probably causes you to praise your God even more because you can see the intricacies of how this works with that. And, and it's more than, you know, the knee bones connected to the, you know, <laughs> that song. Um, it's, it's, it's more intricate than that, as you know. Um, okay, if you, just, just for instance, if you wake up in the middle of the night to check on a noise that you hear, and you stub your little toe, your pinky toe, your whole body begins to notice very soon that that pinky toe is hurting. And from what I understand, this same little toe has a large impact on your balance. Um, and if you, I, I shared the story that I went, uh, I went hiking um, several weeks ago, uh, well, before we moved here uh, to Oklahoma. I went hiking, and, and my little pinky toes, both of them, rubbed against my shoes on the way down from this hike. And they both had very large blisters. And for the next week, I was just limping along, and I was trying to put Band-Aids on. I was trying to put all kinds of things to make it not hurt so badly, but it hurt really bad. And my whole body noticed those little pinky toes. Now, normally, we don't put a lot of focus on the little pinky toe, right? I mean, you never have heard someone paying thousands of dollars for plastic surgery to improve the look of their little pinky toe. How silly would that be? Hey, doc, you know, I want, uh, you know, a pinky toe, you know, surgery. You know, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, although maybe I could probably stand to do that. My pinky toe is not much to look at, but it, uh, it, it functions... And it's a part of my body, and it serves a purpose, and it's beneficial to the rest of my body. It keeps me standing upright, and I'm thankful for it. Now, there are some areas of service that may not receive much attention in the, in the local church, but they're needful nonetheless. Every part of God's uh, Christ's body is needful, useful, and profitable. And in many cases, certain elements of the body are not working together, unfortunately. When this happens, trouble will arise for the entire body. So it's important that we all work together. And so that's the illustration. Uh, notice secondly here the explanation. Verse number 5 gives us a little bit more of the explanation on the illustration here. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. As we've mentioned, the human body is made up of various components. They all work together seamlessly. You take the skeletal system and say, you know what? I don't need the rest of you. I don't need the rest of these systems. And so the skeletal system is, says, I don't need the skin. I don't need the muscles. I don't need the nervous system. I'm fine on my own. I can do just dandy by myself. Well, we all know that's silly. It, wouldn't, it can't do anything by itself. It just looks kind of creepy as a skeleton. Well, take eating, for example. This is a subject that I know we all know and love here as Baptists. <laughs> Eating. How do these systems work together to allow us to eat? Well, we smell the food cooking. We begin to feel hungry. We walk with our feet to the kitchen. We use our hands to gather the desired portion of food and maybe more food than we should have. Uh, we use our fingers then to hold the utensils and our arms to move the food to our mouth that has teeth 
to chew the food and taste buds to taste the home-cooked goodness. Well, and then the digestive system begins to work, and, and, and the bloodstream comes in, and, and, and the nutrients are pulled out, and, and we're able to continue to function. All of those things are working together, all of those systems working together to allow us to eat. This is the kind of seamless cooperation that should exist within the body of Christ, within the local church. All of us working together to accomplish one specific goal. Unfortunately, many have come to believe that they can get along with uh, just as well without other believers. There are also many who seem to think that the rest of the body can handle things without them. You know, the nervous system says, ah, you don't need me today. I'm just going to take the day off. Well, that's not going to really help matters. You know, your muscle system says, eh, I have been, I have been doing all this work all this time. I need a day off. Well, if your muscle system decided to take a day off, you wouldn't be here today. It, it, we, we can't afford to do that. We, we have too much, there's too much at stake for us to think that someone else is going to carry the load when we have a specific purpose and plan. Now, there, of course, is a parallel passage to Romans chapter 12 found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this deals with the same idea of uh, of the body and, 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 and the local church working together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, says this, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been uh, all been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. And that's silly, right? If the foot says, well, I'm not as important as the hand is, then I really don't belong to the family or to the body. Well, yes, of course it does. He says, is it therefore not of the body? Yes, it is part of the body. And if the ear shall say, well, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, I would say, first of all, that'd be creepy if a giant eye walked in here and said, I'm a, I'm a giant eye. That would be pretty creepy. Um, it says here, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. So you see here, every part of the body has a duty, and all parts come together for the good of the whole. To put it plainly, if you are saved, you are part of the body. If you're part of the body, there is a place of service for you. And service must be a priority. A lot of people only simply wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. I'll just kind of, you know, be like the, uh, the supervisor here and tell God how to do it or tell everyone else how to do it. That's how I want to serve the Lord. That's my spiritual gift, telling people what to do. <laughs> um, some like to stand back and watch. I read a story about uh, 
a group of soldiers who were repairing a small defense barrier during the Revolutionary War. While this was happening, a a man in civilian clothes rode by. And he stopped and, and, uh, and he noticed that their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. Asked why by the, by the man in, in civilian clothes, uh, this leader retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am the corporal. Well, the stranger apologized, I didn't realize. He dismounted and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers who were working, fixing this defensive barrier. Well, the job was finished, and he turned to the corporal and said, uh, Mr. Corporal, you know, next time that you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come and help you again. And you see that man in civilian clothes was none other than George Washington. Here was a man who was willing to get down off the horse, get his hands dirty, and get the job done. A lot of us aren't willing to do that because, well, it's a little beneath me to do this or do that. Someone has once said that the church is a lot like a football game. Thousands sitting in the stands in desperate need of exercise, watching 22 men out on the football field desperately need of rest. How true that is. Some like to serve as consultants. There's no shortage of people who will tell you what needs to be done in the church. But God is looking for those who will do what needs to be done in the church. So how can you and I perform Christian service? Well, that leads me to the next thought this morning, and that is the ability of Christian service. The ability in Christian service. We can accomplish things that may seem impossible because of the power that is at our disposal. God has given each of His children a gift to use to serve Him. Romans chapter 12, if you want to kind of flip back over there, if you're not already back over there. Verse number 6, we have this concept here that God has given us gifts, the ability then to serve Him within the local church. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then he goes on and down and lists these different gifts that uh, God has given. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 uh, says this, And as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold uh, grace of God. So each of us has received uh, a spiritual gift at the moment of our salvation. God gave each of us at least one of these spiritual gifts. Um, first of all, I want you to see here these abilities were, first of all, given by God's grace. They were given by God's grace. Verse 6 says, uh, "Then having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. See, by His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Verse number 3 of the same chapter talks about this. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. If you're good at anything, which some of us would say, oh, I'm not good at anything. Uh, I would beg to differ. God has given you a gift and you're good at something. 
if you're good at anything, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're good at anything, if you accomplish anything, it is not because of how wonderful you are. It is because of the one who works in and through you, and that is the Lord. So these, these abilities were given by God's grace, but these abilities were given for God's glory. None of these gifts were to given to serve ourselves and to make us look good. They were all meant to be used to serve others and ultimately the Lord. They are not to bring us glory, but the Lord. In verses 6 through 10, uh, we won't take the time right this moment to read through these. But Paul describes many of the gifts that are handed out to God's children. He goes on to mention the purpose of these gifts in verse number 11, if you want to look with me in that verse. It says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, and here it is, serving the Christian who gets these gifts? No, the Lord. You see, the purpose of these gifts is not so that I could bring glory to Eric, but so that I can bring glory to God. Because after all, He is worthy of all glory, is He not? Revelation 4 and verse number 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. 1 Chronicles 16 verse 29, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Psalm 96 and verse number 8, Give unto the Lord again the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. It has been said that if you don't use your talent, you will lose your talent. And that is true. It also is true that if you abuse your talent, you may lose it as well. There are some that, have, uh, that can't do certain things that they used to be able to do because they've neglected the gift. And there are some who can't do what uh, you used to do because you have used it or they have used it for the wrong reason, possibly for even personal glory. And so we see here the ability in Christian service that God has given us, again, by His grace and for His glory. But thirdly, this, this morning, I want you to see the, 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 diversity, the diversity in Christian service. In verse number 6 here, um, beginning in the last part of the verse, it says, Whether prophesy or prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us... Wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And he goes on down and lists all of these different uh, gifts. And there are several different talents that, uh, or gifts that Paul mentions in these few verses. Um, and so we've listed a lot of them here, even in verse, um, and then uh Another parallel passage that lists even more gifts that are mentioned here is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, to be very clear, no parts of the body are unimportant, and none should be left out. Just like if you took your, if you say, well, I don't really need my nervous system today, and you rip that out of your body, it would be a difficult day for you. (laughs) You would have a bad day. Every member of Christ's body has been gifted in some area or another. Do what God gifted you to do and leave others to do what he gifted them to do. And don't be jealous of what the grace grace of God has produced in the life of another believer. 
Don't compare your gift with theirs and say, well, they've got this gift and I really wish I had that because all I have is this gift. Embrace the gift that God's given you. He, Taylor, made that gift just for you. Use it to the best of your ability. Uh, Develop it and, and find ways to use it to bring Him glory and honor. Figure out what your gift is and devote yourself to honoring God with that gift. Finally, this morning, I want to share with you the responsibility in Christian service. The responsibility in Christian service. We have some different responsibilities for those of us who have been saved and given these gifts. What are we supposed to do with these gifts? Well, here's three responsibilities that we have in Christian service. First of all, the responsibility of loyalty. Of loyalty. If we are using our talents for God's glory, we must be loyal to God's call and serve fervently. We've been, we've been given this gift. We better not waste this gift. We better not neglect it. We better not misuse it. We better be good stewards of the gift that God has given us. And find opportunities to exercise this gift. To bless others, yes, but ultimately to bring glory to God. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Serve with all your heart. Verse number 11 says this, Not slothful in business. Brother Jacob encouraged us yesterday morning to not be spiritually lazy. That was a good challenge. But when it comes to serving the Lord, we better not be slothful in business. And then it says, fervent in spirit. Let's fervently use our gifts to serve the Lord in, in the local church. Uh, teach with, with everything you have. Encourage everyone you encounter. Give generously. Take the leadership responsibility seriously. Show compassion to all men. Whatever your gift, give your all as you exercise that gift. And it is great to know that God has given each of us a special gift. Find out what it is and use it and give it your all. So we have a responsibility to be loyal ultimately to God, to be a wise steward of what He has given us. But we also have a responsibility in love. Verse number 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. You say, I never use that word dissimulation. I don't either, <laughs> except when I'm reading Romans 12, 9. <laughs> the word dissim- dissimulation here in that, that, that focus of that verse is talking about let your love be sincere. Let your love be genuine. Let it not be fake or, you know, you're putting on a show. Let it be genuine, heartfelt love as you serve. Paul is saying, look, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. If we're going to serve others, it's going to be out of obedience to Christ. And it needs to be rooted in love. We are, we are told in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, to serve one another by love. Um, I was reminded of a, a verse uh, yesterday. First uh, Peter chapter number 4 and verse number Eight, right before Paul or Peter talks about being good stewards of the gifts that God's given us, 
Verse number 8 says, And above all things, 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity co- shall cover the multitude of sins. Have fervent charity among yourselves. There needs to be, although our, our church name is Cornerstone Baptist Church, you know, I hope it means when people think that, they think love Baptist Church. You know, that this is a place where they can be loved and they can express love to others. Uh, that's the type of church I want this to be. And I believe God wants this to be as well. So as we serve the Lord, as we serve one another, let's do it in love. That's our responsibility. And then the final responsibility we'll mention this morning is the responsibility of labor. Of labor. We must do it. Notice the way we are to labor. We're to be fervent in spirit, not lazy, but but working hard. Uh, we're, We're not to be slothful in business, as we've already mentioned. We're to be serving the Lord and working enthusiastically. Going down here in verse number 13, distributing through the necessity of saints. When God's people are in need, we're ready to help them and assist in whatever they need. We are willing to maybe drop what we're doing to go and help a brother in need. Uh, where we're, we're putting their needs before our own. And then given to hospitality. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday night in our, in our banquet. Having, having, using hospitality without grudging. Remember that? Uh, given to hospitality. Always be eager to uh, get to know one another and practice hospitality. There really are no excuses for neglect of service. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he lost his eyesight as he got a little older. And his son was given the difficult task of telling his father that there would be no recovery for when he started losing his eyesight. He asked, do you mean to say that I am now blind? The general asked. I shall never see your face again? No, probably not in this world, said his son, Bramwell. Said General Booth declared, I have done what I could for God and for His people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God without my eyes. You see, he didn't take that as an opportunity to say, I'm done. I guess my days of serving are over. He said, I guess I just need to find a different way now to serve Him. And so I would encourage all of us, no matter what our condition might need physically or, or even spiritually, but to get in the work. To get involved in serving the Lord. Someone wrote, I'll close with this. Someone once wrote this, and I thought it was excellent, and I thought I would share it at this time. They wrote, This is my church. It is composed of people like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship. If I bring them, its seats will be filled. If I fill them, it will be a church of loyalty and love of faith and service. If I who make it what it is and filled with these, therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things. I want my church to be. You know, we we all have kind of a, a mental picture of what we hope our church is. 
Well, make sure that you're fulfilling all of those characteristics yourself. Because that's how it's going to become that type of a church. Is if you embody the type of church that you wish you were part of. And I would encourage you to exercise your spiritual gift. We'll have an opportunity tonight for you to sign up to be involved in a ministry. And I know many of you already are. And I greatly appreciate your service for the Lord here at Cornerstone. It is a blessing. And you are able to make this church go forward for Christ. But I'm looking forward to what we can now accomplish in the future by more of us getting involved and serving the Lord here at Cornerstone.